<laughs> yeah, you can laugh all you want at my bald spot and the noises I make when I stand up. But newsflash, kids. The ceaseless march of time comes for us all. No cap. Do I love night driving? Nothing but you, the open road, and the inability to see what's directly in front of you. Oh, God! <laughs> Please be a deer. I can't afford another manslaughter lawsuit. Greg! What were you doing walking into my car in the middle of the night? Oh. Does it hurt to move? Let's get you in the car. Bottle. What? Must have it. Y- you mean this? You want me to take this? What's in this thing? Is that a VHS tape swimming in formaldehyde? Why do you have this? Uh... Quit your groaning and get in the car, you silly goose. Let's get you cleaned up. Lucky you, it was me you walked in front of. I could have been just another angry driver looking for blood. Greg? God damn it, where did you go? Did you die? Did you walk away without telling me? Will whatever happened to you be explained? Didn't think so. Oh, and you left your bottle? Well, no sense letting a good VHS tape go to waste. The jar. Spooking looking cover. Hmm, it is Schlocktober, and it came from Greg. Guess I'll give it a watch for the podcast. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, uh, uh. My imagination's getting carried away. I'm panicking for no reason. And looking at your repulsive VHS cover is no help. Josh, are you okay? Are you just watching Static? Gah? Oh, I'm sorry. I must have fell asleep with my eyes open. I have terrible dreams. Do you always have waking bad dreams? Do you always have to ask so many questions? Only when I'm concerned about someone. I'm sorry. I think I just watched a movie for Video High. You... Think you just watched a movie for Video High? Yeah, I'm not really sure. There was very little dialogue. It was mostly just a bunch of eerie images and sounds. It's pretty good, though. Sounds like somebody's film 101 class project that they got a B plus on. So you've seen it? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I have. Is this it? No! So this jar with a VHS tape floating inside it isn't the movie you think you were watching. No, I mean, yes! Yes, it is! But exasperated, no, because I thought I smashed it! Doesn't look smashed to me. If we're covering it on video high, I should probably watch it too. Wait, don't! No human mind can handle it. But you liked it. Fair point. Ah, damn. It's stuck. Oh, thank God. I'll run it under hot water. Jamie, wait! <laughs> Thought we were going to record an episode today, but I haven't heard from anyone. Guess I'll watch my favorite show. You're watching KSCK, all static, all the time. <laughs> <sighs> my imagination's getting carried away. I'm panicking for no reason. 
And looking at your repulsive face is no help. God damn it! It's got to stop! It's got to stop doing this! Sorry? Um, it was open. I, I thought I'd see how you're feeling today. You look like you've been worked over by Hell's Angels. I've been sick. Damn you! Damn you! I'm not gonna let you keep haunting me! I'm not gonna let you tear me apart! Get out! Get The jar. It blows the lid off of terror. Wow, never before has the book report been a literal report of the entire plot of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happened in this that didn't happen in the movie. It was beat for beat the same. Mm -mm. Lies and slander. (laughs) (laughs) This did not have no Jesus, nor any Fellini-esque Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah, there was no leather-jacketed greaser Grim Reaper. (laughs) There were no sudden cultists. My favorite kind of cultist. There was not a single old man face that gets clicked on by flashlights. (laughs) There was no Italian restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, Josh, I was disappointed that none of the script read interior restaurant. (laughs) I was tempted. Bottle of white. Bottle of red. (laughs) Bottle of demon from hell. (laughs) Before this gets any more off the rails, uh, let's do the roll call. Jamie Kennedy? I'm not sick, but I'm not well. (laughs) And in a jar, got a demon from hell. (laughs) That's it. That's the plot of the movie. (laughs) Greg Hansen? Guys, when you watch the jar, just remember that there's all of this super brilliant stuff happening just outside the frame. And if you don't like it, that's because you're a stupid, jaded idiot pants. Oh. Okay. It's because you let VHS win the format wars. <laughs> Casey Regan? I got through a lot of this movie, honestly, thinking like, what if this movie was made as a prank? <laughs> then I remembered that experimental film is a genre. <laughs> that's not what people call prank I didn't expect Schlocktober to start with an experimental film, but you know what? Don't hate it. No. Yeah, we started artsy. I, to be honest, what? so what's interesting you, is- You picked the wrong movie is what you- <laughs> Well, I mean, not no. <laughs> I did give you choices, so you actually picked the wrong movie. Well, excuse me for wanting to watch a movie from the 80s. Yeah, instead of the 90s. The 90s one may have been better. Who knows? <laughs> Impossible. This was a masterpiece. <laughs> this gives the audience an insight into our selection process, <laughs> which is amateurish at best, much like the movie. <laughs> uh, so, A, the cover uh, is misleading. Oh, my Save God, that cover is insane. <laughs> I would not say that this movie blows the lid off terror as the tagline <laughs> The lid stays firmly on terror. Okay, full disclosure, I think Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst is actually one of the worst things. I hate Agreed. it. I Agreed. hate those yeah. guys. Yes, I think they're yeah. fucking idiots and they don't say anything of interest. We're coming for them. This is... This is- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let the rivalry begin. They named this one of the worst things they've ever watched. What? And I didn't know that before watching this. I did the smallest amount of research. I plucked it off the shelf. I knew it was a demon movie from the 80s. I kind of thought that that was enough 
Octobery <laughs> yeah. for Schlocktober. Yeah. Uh, some people, of course, on the internet said it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Some people said it's great. And so I said, if it's giving people one star and five star reviews, then that's a good watch it. And so I had no real sense how universally maligned this is. <laughs> people hate this movie. And I didn't know that when really? I watched it. And I also, I liked it. No, I thought yeah, this was no, good. I really yeah. liked yeah, it. When I, like anything I say in this, I don't want it to be deemed a criticism because I think much like experimental film, they took a swing and they stuck with it. And that's what makes it a success of the genre. I did dig it, but it was vibes the movie yep yes just yep. vibes oh totally Eerie vibes and like you mentioned in the book report it was not not reminiscent of many of the vm 120 <laughs> oh yeah short yeah. films we saw at college Ooh, we had one location and one handy cam and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interesting imagery a lot of interesting imagery they don't necessarily go together but you know it's this interesting amalgamation of horror tropes and imagery that's been taken from elsewhere and stuff that's just sort of out of left field and nothing really kind of makes sense or fits together but that's kind of the point of it mm -hmm. like the point isn't to make sense and that's why it works when you're filming just someone <laughs> can't call them an actor just to someone <laughs> but that is also all the characterization our character gets in the movie yeah he is someone we get a name about 20 minutes in oh it's longer than yeah. 20 minutes is it, is it really it's, yeah, yeah. I, think it was, it, I think it was about 40 i was yeah, like was i have no idea wow. who this guy is when you're filming just someone meander through bland hallways you either fail to create suspense or aim to flat out confuse people. And <laughs> I think the latter is the better decision. When you have zero dollars and a bunch of gumption, that is the better decision. Mm -hmm. I think on paper, this is a lot of shit that I don't like. I have a friend who self-proclaimed loves boring movies, loves movies where characters are just doing routines. Cases right here. You're <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird that you're not making eye contact. With yeah, him. he's avoiding. And for the most part, I usually disagree. I'm not usually in the camp of minimalism. I'm not mm. usually in the camp of like, let somebody do sort of a daily routine and show us. And like sometimes movies like that, people are like, ooh, they're kind of hypnotic. And this I found to be that. Yeah. yeah. This like Ooh. wild, weird world where like everyone is post-dubbed, everything is beige, <laughs> everyone has either terrible glasses or a receding hairline. Yep. Like everyone needs Rogaine. No one's eating. Everyone just drinks water. That's it. I, I, I guess it must be said in that respect that this was not the neon leotard 80s this is the brown 80s like we're, we, yeah, this we're, is, yeah. we're in the everybody still smokes and has shag carpet 80s there is nigh a leg warmer to be found in this movie this Not is the this. same 80s as the oracle really what? oh yeah yeah the music is highly meditative <laughs> i do think that this movie is made by the music yeah 110 yeah. percent. Oh, yeah. if this movie had a bad soundtrack i think this would be a boring piece of shit but the fact that this movie has this 
awesome pulsating synth soundtrack is what takes it into that dreamlike territory. You could upload this movie to one of those YouTube channels that like makes dreamscapes, like from <laughs> soundscapes with like weird imagery, specifically for people who want something on the spookier side, and it would get like millions of views and people would love it. <laughs> no five beats to die to? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is wavy. It's very wavy. Rosé wave, more like rosé grave. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You know, like the cinematography is, I hate using the word competent. I feel like a a lord, a duke or something. (laughs) The cinematography was competent and then like flick a shilling at their forehead. (laughs) That score is pulling seemingly our very tabula rasa fucking main character through a hallway and there's these camera moves that are executed to a mark and then another mark and maybe it's just the fact that we've been doing this podcast so much that that sounds like a triumph (laughs) in my notes i've started to write the word these are like intentional camera moves and then i have to remind myself what intention there's nothing happening this guy's just walking (laughs) through his apartment but it still feels in tension. So I watched the movie. We all did, Josh. Separately from Jamie. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but we always watch together. Yeah, we usually watch it together. I walked in when Jamie was watching it on the scene with Paul and Crystal, where Crystal like walks into frame, <sighs> giving him a cup of coffee and sits down. And I didn't notice this until I came in and Jamie noticed this because she notices everything. Before she walks into frame, the stranger shows up in the mirror. Yes. Then she walks into frame, passes over the stranger, and he's gone. Great shot. And then she sits down. It's incredible. And I didn't even notice it. I'm going to push back a little bit. It's a great little moment, except it's blocked in a hilarious (laughs) way. It It sort of like looks like the guy just kind of peeks. It was like, oh, whoops. Like like it it looks like the actor has made a mistake and is like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm on stage. (laughs) That line is just so blurry. Mistakes and brilliant pieces of meta contextual experimental film i think that's where the beauty in this movie is i think compared to like all the stuff we've watched before this falls into such an interesting category like when have you ever seen an experimental horror film of this budget before it is an interesting question because according to a post on imdb by the main actor the movie had a two hundred thousand dollar budget which is what? definitely wrong uh, which if is they were money laundering wrong. then yeah <laughs> yeah i think it was maybe a twenty thousand dollar yeah i made a joke about super brilliant stuff happening on off screen but that may be true oh because about halfway through i was like a lot of things are happening off screen or like happening just off frame there was a part of me that was like was this shot at like anamorphic also there was a moment where there was a lens flare and it had the super long stretched out lens flare Mm. that you get with anamorphic and imdb says it was shot in two three five and so there is a part of it that was like was this horribly matted (gasps) and we're literally just not seeing large amounts of information (laughs) oh my my god God. i was wondering during the dinner scene if it was pan and scan oh it's definitely pan and scan and also it seems like from what i understand it was also cut 
down by the distributor as well. And so I am really interested in what a director's cut would yeah. actually Ooh. physically look like. Yeah. Have I told my stolen Terrence Malick story on this <laughs> Absolutely podcast? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I almost wonder if we should allow talk about Terrence Malick. TM. Well, TM. TM. Our best friend. Did well, he so- call him Big Terry? <laughs> he loves it when you call him yeah, Big yeah. Terry. A fr- yeah, a friend of mine worked on Tree of Life. You're friends with Brad Pitt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he won't fund our goddamn podcast, the asshole. <laughs> I don't blame him. Part of his process was once they got an assembly of everything done, he looked at the Avid timeline and just went like, here, here take those out was just arbitrarily choosing uh, sections of the timeline to just rip so out of there. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sad. Unfortunately, after days of heaven, you have nights of hell. Yeah. And I think that's, what... <laughs> that's what it is. That's how you get that naturalistic, like, wow, these things are just slamming into each other. Yes, because they literally are. And so a part of me is like, I wonder if to a less artistic extent, and that's what the distributor did. Uh, they were like, this, that, gone. There are many moments where Matt cutting, whatever, vast improvement. <laughs> there are moments where it like creates a much more interesting shot. Like I, re- I read that, Greg, <laughs> and I thought, what would this movie be if it followed the rule of thirds? And the answer is boring. The answer <laughs> is really fucking boring. There are so many shots that because of the dumb mat, our lead is like half yeah. cut, like literally symmetrically his face is cut off. I think it's awesome. I would like to see what was slightly to the right of man in suit drinking tea in the middle of V. Yeah. Yes. Like that's something where I Would feel like there was something it? else going off of frame. It was Federico Fellini with a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with my imagery? There's like a scene where Paul is looking off screen and just like shouting at something. And I was like, I would love to know yes. what this yes. is. But also, I love not knowing what this is. I thought that was intentional. <laughs> The shot of him bringing his toothbrush right in front of his eye was so claustrophobically creepy in a way that it wouldn't be if you saw like the rest of his hand and his head. (laughs) They'd be like, what is this, a Colgate ad? What are we doing right now? I knew this as going into it because I own both of these movies. But once we started getting into the religious allegory bullshit, I don't know. Stuff. (laughs) Great. Like, great. I loved it. It is interesting that this was distributed by the same distributor who released The Carrier. Oh. I don't think that there's any through line in terms of the production of any of these things, but there's an interesting curatorial spirit that is happening where, I don't know, I guess Magnum Pictures has some Catholic guilt going on yeah. uh, or, or, or complicated feelings. There are interesting through lines that happen with distributors and there are interesting thoughts about distributors as creatives in some ways just by the the choices that they make and i thought that to be a particularly interesting one because i feel like if we were to draw a through line with any other movie that we've talked about it is the carrier in this movie even though they're wildly different but they also are very weirdly similar they have catholic imagery but it's like i guess you could argue all catholic imagery is but it's a real like (laughs) fetishization of jesus's suffering on the cross implanted upon I don't know just like a white dude changing his POV yeah Yeah, he's having a little quantum leap 
<laughs> it, it's like Quantum Leap doing Bellatar. Of course, we see him like hanging out a crucifix and stuff. It only is just really hitting me that like he gets pierced through with an arrow yeah. in the side. His name is Paul. Yeah, yeah and oh, there's yeah. like I literally have no idea what the thing was, but he does get stabbed yeah. in the crown with long thorns. I yeah. don't know what happened. In I that d- scene. Yeah, <laughs> you mean when Freddie when, when Freddie from Nightmare on Elm Street just came and stabbed him with his hands? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really did not put those pieces together. I, was I mean, more... the movie was originally called Carrion. Oh. I, I think the religious imagery in this movie is is much more purposeful. Mm. You know, it is both hacky and plagiaristic to compare this to Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> and masturbatory to compare it to Salsa the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta imagine, I was watching this movie like... Stoned as hell. But without a puff of weed in me. Stoned <laughs> on semiotics alone. This movie could have meant anything, right? At times, Paul had died. At another time, he had killed someone in a car accident at the beginning, and this was all the machinist, basically, and he was running through, like, psychic break slash guilt allegory. It was everything. And then when I really embraced that it was nothing, <laughs> that's when it truly did become everything. I consume the lifeless moments of shadows, the flickering seconds of memories. I stand on the edge of darkness. I am the night. Black, dark, cold, silent. I see that what I see is me. It was early in this movie that we started to get what could only be described as sophomoric, and I don't mean that as like bad, I mean literally like it felt like a sophomore movie. (laughs) Voiceover replete with 80s Korg oh my God. droning. I, 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 I don't remember what they said. What did they say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just party gel lights. And you have two dudes that are obviously, like I couldn't see their fucking mouths, but they were clearly overdubbed. Yep. We have to get you home. It's like, no! And I was like, this movie fucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching, but I'm fucking into it. It also takes place in an earth that has been sunk into the deepest, blackest night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say, you guys watched a VHS rip. I watched the actual VHS. I didn't compare all the frames, but I will tell you that the end credits on the VHS also completely indecipherable. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> okay, so we weren't missing okay, much. Okay, good. I, you know. It's hard in the first couple scenes, at least the rip that we watch. Oh, yeah, to know what anything that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really hard to call it a film because that implies <laughs> visual media. It's more of a podcast, yeah. Yeah. It is like a radio play. You hear, like, we've been in a car crash. You know that. Yeah. Why am I saying this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Does it hurt to move? It's okay. I'm just trying to get you to my car. Bottle. What? In the car. Must have it. You mean this? You want me to take this? I really love Paul's, you can't call it acting, but reading of lines. It's so wonderfully stilted. Every delivery in this movie is insane. It's bananas. Every line is delivered as if the writer is under the camera writing cue cards like <laughs> as the shot is going. They're writing the dialogue as they walk 
through always. Yes, and also it's got like a Coen Brothers vibe, though. It has this like off the cuffiness and like pulpiness that feels really like I'm seeing quizzical looks from everybody. I'm trying to square it. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's just to say that that like there is a. I mean, there is a Lynchianness, though. Oh, this yes, is before yes, Lynch yes. becomes known for, you know, Twin Peaks, etc. So maybe Lynch is jarriness. <laughs> <laughs> I often think about how awesome it is to be making a movie this weird at this time because we're not yet at the point where everybody, both cast and crew, but also audience, has access to the entire breadth of cinema. And so mm. the idea of making a movie so so thoroughly innocent in its amateurishness is almost hard to comprehend. And it's why I think people are captivated by a Neil Breen or a Tommy mm. Wiseau or mm-hmm. a Birdemic because it's so rare that people actually make a movie that feels so thoroughly alien but could still exist in the 80s pretty easily and this is one of those movies that feels like god damn have you guys watched a few movies have not synthesized what makes those movies interesting and god damn it you have a few dollars and nights apparently they shot this movie overnights and like that like haziness that like we just drank a two liter of pepsi and we're just shooting like i feel like is palpable i feel like this has an energy to it that i think a lot of movies really try to replicate and fail and it's so wild to me that people don't like this because they do like things that really I think actually want to be like this yeah Yeah. this was weird before weird was or at least this particular weird was marketable and sexy yeah because it does have that it sort of has that feeling like every scene is in the black lodge they filmed all the dialogue backwards (laughs) well there's that one scene with backwards dialogue towards the end of the movie I don't think I registered that because everything in the movie is fucking weird (laughs) it's like the very end when it says Paul is dead over and over and over again (laughs) (laughs) we will also replace Avril Lavigne and Andrew W.K. (laughs) wouldn't that be funny if they're not lying about the $200,000 budget and it was that much because they really did like 30 takes of everything yeah right (laughs) again according to the actor one take of everything which also again makes sense Yes, yes. I mean, that explains those line reads. But I mean, but it also doesn't because that was all post. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. right. It was all ADR. The idea of like if they actually shot $200,000 worth of movie all in single takes means that they had nine hour original cut. Magnum Pictures just sounds like the greatest distributor ever now. (laughs) It's like they handed this four hour jar movie and they were like, Fuck, we gotta do something. <laughs> yeah, we gotta remove all this Bogota footage. Also, opening on Paul's face just appearing in the driver's seat, too. I loved that. I loved that where it was just like slowly lighting him. Oh, with like a bright light. A light bright. <laughs> Light bright, thank you. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a bright light. <laughs> That's what we missed is the close-up of him as he's driving, just making a little butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> wish I may, wish I may. I hope I hit an old guy tonight. tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. I did, I swear. I mean, I guess the plot of the movie is 
man who looks like mid-70s Phil Collins during his sexy phase yeah. uh, hits an old man, I guess, who is driving? Question mark? I think, yeah, I think he hit his car because he yeah. took the bottle out of the car. It seems yeah. like he hit his car, but they couldn't afford a second car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Greg, just... In the VHS, was this lit at all? <laughs> Could you see anything but black soup? Because on the rip, it was it was yeah, just it's, it it's, was it's, it's a black void, and they're the only things. That the beginning, like. I sort of took as darkness, bit of scene, darkness, bit of scene. Yes. So that felt purposeful. Like it wasn't like something happening in darkness. It was mm. actual darkness. So maybe I'm just re- misremembering or whatever. That's a good point because it does literally start with a black screen and him talking. So I have to imagine that the rest of that is then pretty purposeful. And then his young Martin Mull ass face pops up. Out <laughs> <of the> <laughs> what plot is there to recap? I watched a lot of this movie really wondering what your notes were going to look like. Oh, they're the scribblings of a madman, yeah, Casey. Like if you took any much like terrence malick assembly if you took any section of this you'd be like wait what what's happening let me read you a segment (laughs) is the bearded guy the same bearded guy got it from stranger he walks into seas candies he walks out of seas candies (laughs) amazing amazing (laughs) but jamie what did we seize You know how there's Paul Thomas Anderson and Paul W.S. Anderson? Yes. Mm-hmm. This would be like if there's Terrence Malick and someone named like Terry Big T Malick. <laughs> <laughs> Ter- Terry Big Mallet. <laughs> Andrew Tarkovsky. <laughs> there are these really strange acting choices, especially on Paul's part, that, that yes, of course, we could say are just uh, an actor who only had one take and post up their lives. <laughs> he has this extreme sense of desperation almost from like minute five. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Five minutes into this movie until the end of the movie, he just has a mounting sense of desperation. Before the jar is even introduced, really, like he he's doing this fa- favor to this old man to try and save him, but is completely put out by it the entire time. I mean, it's weird that that, that boy is like, I hate you. Uh, I'm going to take you to the hospital. The guy's like, no. no. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to take you home. He's like, uh-uh. And he's like, all right, I guess my house it is. It's like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. My imagination's getting carried away. I'm panicking for no reason. And looking at your repulsive face is no help. We should talk about the titular jar. Which you never... It, correct me if I'm we wrong. You don't see the whole jar. You don't see the whole jar ever, I right? I do love yeah. the fact that we, we see the implication of the jar, the idea that, oh, again, if the original script called for the movie to be called The Jar, then there's a part of me that's like, that is brilliant because as we, the audience, we see the jar, but only in the close-ups of the demon in the jar and the implication of the jar in this paper bag. But the fact that it was originally called Carrion is actually crazy because yeah. the idea that we wouldn't see the jar and we're just supposed to understand that is a little <laughs> funnier if you don't know. Well, of course, there's a jar. Okay, we're looking in the jar. But also, is it ever called a jar or is it only called a bottle? It is not. Uh... It is called a bottle. 
Because the guy at the beginning says a bottle repeatedly. Multiple times. Well, that's because he's an alcoholic. <laughs> and he was talking about the other one. I love that 30 seconds in the movie couldn't help but like implode its premise. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about fucking old ass Nick Cave with his slug eyebrows? Yes. <laughs> there is a stylistic sort of shift when we unveil the jar right because at first it just sort of seems like bad horror movie right and mm. i mean maybe it continues to be that but <laughs> he brings the old guy in old guy's like no hospital no hospital gets laid out on a couch or on a bed or whatever paul goes to collect himself when he comes back old guy's gone he checks the bottle which is glowing it's got a fucking pickled punk in it that looks like <laughs> yeah. looks like the Looney Tunes version of Peter Lorre. <laughs> he had a sort of like full moon puppet master design quality to it. Yeah, it had a little bit of a ghouly vibe. Yeah, it was like a full moon designed muncher from that shitty The New Ghostbusters. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was also a little pudjo too. A little tum tum, a little belly. It just is so reminiscent of like a pickled punk, right? Which I'm sure is offensive to say. You keep Punker, saying yeah. that. Is yeah, that a what thing? Is, what is a pickled punk? I believe a pickled punk was like a pretty grotesque practice of keeping fetuses in like formaldehyde oh. jars for like freak shows. Oh, is it a freak show thing? Sure, okay. Sure. okay. Oh, we got our nightmare alley is what okay, we got. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this what Peter Piper was doing? Uh, the fairy tale guy? Peter Piper picked <laughs> a... pack of... Pickled, pickled peppers. No, yes. it's peppers. I, no, it's punks. Uh, it's punks. No, it's peppers. It's, no, it's punks. I, I know. I know it's oh, peppers. It's a bit. It's no, a it's bit. peppers. <laughs> Jamie. Jamie, you got to learn about bits. That's, that was awesome. That was a James Joyce bit. <laughs> you were like inventing Cockney slang. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul opens the bottle, the jar, whatever. He rips the paper off the jar. It's got the little demon like fucking boss baby figurine in there and then <laughs> he turns around blank faced you know he up until this point has been performing i put in air quotes like a normal person right right right, right, right. But poorly right he's performing like a normal person but for the purpose of the film he is quote unquote normal this is the before paul and then he turns into a nearly silhouetted shot stares into a sort of middle distance. Oh man. We get like a yeah. mid shot of his den, then a close up of a dripping faucet, the shot that is in every student film. Frankly, I was shocked that they didn't reverse the footage of the dripping faucet. <laughs> I was well, certain that was going that's to happen. High -tier stuff. That's, I'm that's also surprised we didn't have a shot from inside a refrigerator, but you know. Oh, you're right. And then we get that weird toothpaste close up. That's right? the toothbrush, yeah. What? Was that what what was that i have no idea but it's it's definitely a stylistic shift it's definitely like uh now we dreaming or something Ooh, now okay. we fever so it, dreaming now we manically broke. it's a like we're through the looking glass kind of moment we're talking so much about the first four minutes of the movie <laughs> where all the keys are <laughs> the mystery is seated it's like the game missed where if you figure out the first 15 minutes you just skip all of it and win <laughs> Ooh, I feel like we should talk about all the times the jar smashes. Oh, oh. so many yes. times! Paul smashes the jar twice, but the jar smashes four times. Yeah. <laughs> the, the use of the double cut and the slow-mo simultaneously was yeah. chef's kiss. You gold. do what you can sometimes. It's what makes me think they filmed 30 takes of everything. 
I think the actor's confused. I think this movie was expensive because <laughs> it had to be because they had to mold it perfectly. They took as many takes of a shot as they needed. And what he was saying is they only used one take in the movie. <laughs> That's sort of all movies, yeah. Well, except for this one. Yeah, right. they... <laughs> yeah you know what? The, you're right. I'm I'm un, I'm undone. By my own petard. That's right. The, this, this movie doesn't just use one take. <laughs> when it has more than one, yeah, maybe that's it. It uses them both. It sort of feels like bad Evil Dead or bad Phantasm at the beginning, right? It's mm. like yeah, yeah it's like yeah. Heck Razor. Yeah, Heck Razor. Right. It's like bad handheld shots to like walk into a room to expose. Oh, the man that was on the bed is not on the bed anymore. What? What shot? The bathtub fills with blood, which is like a very forgot about that. Evil Dead thing. And, and then oh, there's a kid in it. Who is the kid? Is the kid Paul as a child? Does Paul? Did Paul have like? Did Paul Jamie, kill a kid? Far too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's he's haunted by I this kid in his victim. dreams. He's also haunted by like a thirty-year-old punk dude. The greaser was so interestingly stylized, like a nineteen, and it was in black and white. Too the the nineteen sure, thirties. I assumed it was. I just thought that was a stupid choice, but that makes sense <laughs> that it might have been purposeful. <laughs> might have been stupid. Greaser kid. He shows up carrying a seemingly just like faceless female someone, and then meat hooks them. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to think about that. I took it as foreshadowing to Paul killing Crystal. Yeah, perhaps it was just a, a beginning of a loop. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. wondering if all of these all of these victims killed other people. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Through the whole film, there are how many things he's visioning, he's haunting by. There's the teenage greaser. Yep. There's the street magician. There's the uh, old, old man. man. Yeah. There's the younger kid. The younger kid. So there's four, five. My assumption, and, and could be wrong. Who knows? Nothing in the text to tell us, but is that those are previous infectees, like victims of the demon. I thought they were aspects of him, but okay, all right, that makes more sense. The only reason I think that is because of the old man. Okay. Is the oh, old man, man is the is the anchor that makes me think. Okay. That, yeah, 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 yeah. With yeah. the original title of the movie being Carrie, and my thought too was this sort of like we are Legion esque, and it can mm. either be past or even concurrent just in different places, you know, sort of the psychic link thing. This feels like a punishment cosmically for him, right? But for what way? He's doing a mitzvah. I I always have problems with morality plays that don't say why someone is being morally punished for something like haunting movies like yeah, is like, a ghost haunting you because just time place and circumstance or is a ghost haunting you because of something you've done in your past and i feel like it, this is the former it's just like the wrong place wrong time is, is it like a you are a virgin who just had sex at the lake or i just moved into this house yeah boop, boop, exactly boop, boop. i i hear you and i think it's not there i'm saying <laughs> i wild out in my oh, okay. <laughs> sorry there's text there's subtext and there's casey text got it <laughs> the little kid in the blood bathtub i was like one the car crash at the beginning the fact that he's immediately horrified by the jar the jar to me became like all right something's bottled up and he's not addressing it it's a jar the jar must mean something right Ooh, there is a lid okay. on the jar there's a thing that he is not addressing right okay and the fact that we start with a car crash, the information of which we get, like, none of it. We just get, like, it's a car crash. Get me out of here. There's a man 
that's in the street, even though the jar is still in the car. And he started way too far. And it's just <laughs> too far for him to ca- carry it to the street. <laughs> We're always coming back to Tarek. <laughs> so a jar is made by a mason, and a Ooh. mason Ooh, is wait like a, a carpenter. And Jesus was a carpenter. Oh, there shit. it is. Uh, and John Carpenter is a horror filmmaker <laughs> and uses synths in his oh, movies. Oh, yeah. shit. We cracked this wide open. <laughs> Paul meets Crystal who for some reason sticks around because she's written to do so. Every scene with Crystal, you just want to shout, you in danger, girl. Yeah, get out. Do not go to dinner with him. Do not ask him to dinner. No. <laughs> Whatever's the like absolute opposite end of the evolutionary biological imperative that makes like black widows and praying mantises like eat their mates. She has like the absolute opposite of just like, <laughs> I want to eat me. Give me the, let me, let's do it. Let's... <laughs> Yeah, we talked about Joker off mic beforehand, and it's like at least in that one, Zazie Beats was uh, <laughs> oh my god, like, was imaginary. Right. She, she was like, there's such a parallel. <laughs> She's that character from Joker, except down two clowns. Down, down two clowns. <laughs> oh my god, they meet in an elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. totally meet in an elevator, and he says some weird suicidal stuff that she's weirdly charmed by. Yep, <laughs> that scene is nuts because. Our character gets into an elevator, which we don't really understand as an elevator because we cannot see that it's an elevator. It's so wildly framed. There is another person who just starts talking (laughs) to him and then alludes to a rocking chair that we, the audience, (laughs) cannot see. And And later... She references it because yes. I was like, this is crazy. She's like, you held my rocker. And I was like, does that mean you're off it? <laughs> she calls it the rocker. It, she, her name is Crystal, which makes it pretty clear to me. <laughs> Maybe this movie has like bajiggied my brain, but it felt like all of these things were purposeful. And I, and, and I don't know how to deal with that. Hi. Hello. I couldn't resist. I've always wanted one, and there it was just waiting for me, on sale no less. I guess me and this rocker were just meant to be together. It's very nice. Thank you. Are you just coming home from work? No. No, I... I had some errands to run. I'm off work this week. Oh, really? So am I. Sort of a mini-vacation. The paper usually doesn't give me too much time for myself. Well... Oh. Here, let me get that for you. This oh. is where I get off, too. Okay, thank you. Girl, you bought a rocking chair on a whim? For your apartment yeah. in a huge... Guys, that's you living in a post-Ikea world. Back then, <laughs> you couldn't just buy chairs. If you saw any furniture, you had to get it. Yeah, because there was only so much furniture in the world because it was made out of stuff. <laughs> you know, there were eight chairs in Denver at the time of the shoot. Yeah, I was going to say, the suburbs of Denver in the 80s must have been slim pickings. If you want a good rocking chair. <laughs> or man, apparently. Yeah. You just have to snatch it. She's so inquisitive immediately. It it's so off-putting. Yeah. The way she asked, like, how are you? <laughs> you look tired. My favorite part, hands down, is when she says, It's a beautiful place, though, don't you think? Oh, yes. I've lived here quite a while. Um, how do you like it? 
I like it just fine. No, I, I mean your coffee. Oh, black. Okay. No one asks, how do you like it? Like, say, yeah. how do you like your coffee? What's wrong with you? What are those standard sentences for human interaction? How would you like your coffee? Wasn't she preparing coffee, though? She, she was, was, but yeah. they were talking about a completely different right. subject. Come on, guys. When you're, when you're holding a coffee pot and you say, how off do you screen, like it? Off screen. <laughs> off screen, yes. <laughs> or pan and scanned, unfortunately. There's no way yeah, of telling. It could have been on a screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love how much the reframing took from us but also gave to us like <laughs> it was a gift yeah i don't think this movie's better with more widescreen <laughs> no god damn it it's got to stop it's got to stop doing this sorry um it was open i, I thought i'd see how you're feeling today well why don't you try knocking next time wait a minute I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Loved him shouting at Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I loved everybody shouting at all. It sounded like the note in the ADR booth was not too loud, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all their dialogue, it was so Sims-like. It was like yeah. it translated <laughs> Simlish to English, but in that same way where like, just very suddenly someone will have a thundercloud above their head or whatever, you know, <laughs> like yeah. a word bubble with a flame. Well, when he snaps, she asks him, like, what is it? Do you dream? When she gives him the Voight comp test. Who, who are you yelling at? You probably think I'm nuts. I don't think anything. Except I'd like to help you if I can. Well, there's nothing to help. It's just dreams. Bad dreams. You were having a dream a few minutes ago? Yeah, I fell asleep. I have terrible dreams. I guess it takes a while for me to get over them when I wake up. Do you always have bad dreams? Do you always ask so many questions? Only when I'm concerned about someone. She's sincerely asking him, like, are you okay? And he just snaps back like, oh, I don't know, are you? <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> a demon? I don't know. Maybe. It was truly my favorite part when he was like, yeah, I've been having bad dreams. She's like, you were yelling. He was like, yeah, I've been having bad dreams. She was like, what? You like, you had a dream just now? He's like, yes. She's like, when you were yelling? <laughs> yes. yes. And she's like, right now what do you mean he's like i fell asleep <laughs> i don't know it's great and it and then every time it cut back and her face wasn't going i mean go, literally going like leaving why she wasn't leaving the room it was more and more delightful yeah how many times do you have to walk in on a man yelling at himself in like murderous tones and you and he, yeah. yeah like oh girl you're gonna get murdered you do which, oh. statistically speaking, in Littleton, Colorado in the 80s, oh. high. <laughs> At the time, if you were a woman, being serial killed was still cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a footnote on Wikipedia one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day they'll make a podcast about, about me, me, whatever that is. <laughs> That yearbook would look so great with 24 to 26 others. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was a little dark. <laughs> I mean, like this movie, visually. Hey, it's one thing to just poorly light a poorly set car crash scene. 
it's another thing to face the camera at essential blackness and go, hey, there's a car crash here. It's happened. <laughs> we swear. Like, that's awesome. This movie toes the line so hard that I I wish we had answers to such things. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know this is connecting a lot of wires that are not there, but I was, at a certain point, I was like, he killed Crystal in that car. It's, it's Crystal was in a car crash. Ooh. She was pregnant. Oh. A dead oh. baby. Ooh. Damn! Is Whoa. the is the kid rising up out of the bloodbath? That's why the the demons of pickled punk. I was ready for this movie to really tie itself up <laughs> profoundly. And you know that while that was not delivered, I also <laughs> don't think you can prove my theory wrong either. So hey, you know what? We can't. You know. There, there's not enough text on screen for us to say. And you know what supported it was during the fight we've been talking. I mean, fight. You know, conversation. Also, <laughs> when <laughs> Crystal comes over and is just like, "How you doing? You seem to be really tough." And he's like, "Fuck you! Hold me." <laughs> <laughs> she goes like, "Is it something you're feeling? Is it?" guilt and then her eyes get really wide and i was like are you speaking to me movie well, <laughs> yeah. well no, some of that conversation something? was it felt like to me like this is going to turn into a nightmare at some point where she mm. is divulging exposition about like is it like that night that you did that but yeah but then it doesn't like she's just <laughs> genuinely curious about his life and his dreams and the fact that he's not gonna murder her i mean do we know that he does yes no he does murder he, he does, does murder right? her. oh no she... he does because he chokes her yeah, yeah he chokes her so there's cause... like two things that because like we've described the entire movie except for two things at the end which i think are interesting to go into have we yeah, right? Like, it's, this is the movie. I think you're right, but I also think you're wrong. I think you're right, but I also don't know if we've said anything about the movie. It's impossible to recap, but there are two things towards the end of the movie when his nightmares start to, like, get out of control. He finds himself, like, in Vasquez Rocks with a bunch of cultists in robes and a man carrying a cross who is also robed, so not immediately Jesus, uh, which I was thinking it was going to be. Yep. But then Paul, like, screams at him. Who the hell are you? Smash cut to Paul in a war zone in uniform. There's a man sipping at an out-of-context table. And then a fucking helicopter, which I guess is maybe where they spent all of the money, <laughs> flies I tell you, up. It, doesn't, it does not cost $190,000 for a helicopter <laughs> for an afternoon. It flies like hovering off the ground with Crystal on board, which, and an interesting thing, do we think that this was purposeful or just part of the mix? The sound of the helicopter was like clipped in a very interesting way, and I don't know if it was just the mics clipping I out. I assumed it was oh, the mics no. clipping out. But oh, so no. wait, are you talking about? Because I actually, I actually noticed this too. When it was coming in, it kind of had this like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was a synth. Yeah, I so think, do I. I think oh. that was a synth playing the helicopter. Right, at a helicopter? That's what I thought. And I thought that was fucking cool. Yeah, I thought hell. that was rad. Oh, yeah, at first okay. I thought it was just the audio clipping. But no, I think that was soundtrack. They were doing like, like a musical version of what the helicopter would sound like. That, Yeah, I noticed that too. That was really yeah. sweet. I like that. I loved that. I thought that was incredible. Maybe this is nothing, but uh, let's say it's something. Uh <laughs> I, that's the slogan to our podcast yeah i got the sense at some point that this is maybe an allegory for drug use interesting like i did write at some point i was like i feel like he's on crack 
And then I thought about the fact that his girlfriend's name is Crystal. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Are you out semiotic sing Casey right Ooh. now? But like also like his friend comes and is just like, bro, you haven't been to work in days. Right. A well person doesn't lose whole days. Right. Boy's going through worlds at this point. Is like hallucinating <laughs> I mean, he his is goddamn tripping. face like, yeah. off. And is like maybe going around killing people, eating their faces, like uh, like strangling his girlfriend. Like also lives in Denver in the eighties. Like like has a beige existence. Like has a friend with big glasses. Like what? Like I don't know what else you need to to. And to say, like, you know, not for nothing. If this movie did, as they say, cost two hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> that a hundred and eighty thousand dollars had to go somewhere. <laughs> a jo- you could. He might have started. With a jar full of methamphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jars, bottles, vials, all containers are the same. <laughs> I was about to say it's definitely about a guy having a mental break, as if that's a profound statement about this movie. <laughs> I mean, that is truly all we can definitely say. It's almost no, the only no, thing. No, but he, he's the first to tell you, Casey, he's not having a mental break. He is fine. It is the thing that is inside of him that is making him crazy. The crystal man. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Ooh. Or, yeah, or the holy spirit. <laughs> is it Which Christianity is for or is crystal it drugs? Man. Is it Christianity or is it drugs? Which one do I shoot? <laughs> At the end, Paul returns to his apartment there's this interesting sequence where he thinks he opens the door and then goes in to Crystal's apartment and snuggles with her and has sex. But oh, then wait, okay. So real so fast, weird. Re- real weird because like the sex part isn't the weird part to mm-hmm. me. It's the like forcing like childbirth to push his head <laughs> through her the crook of her arm to be little spoon in the bed forcibly disturbing to me <laughs> in so many ways he let himself right in yes yes <laughs> he pictures a whole life with her too they go on a date they're laughing they cuddle they're having sex like he pictures in this moment having the relationship that he wants with her without the undue influence of this demon that's destroying his life but it turns out none of that happened no. <laughs> paul are you all right you've got to help me i can't fight anymore i can't stop it i'm here paul i'll help you just tell me what to do the jar we've got to kill it i can't i can't do it alone not alone you're not alone paul what about the jar i really need someone help me it's okay everything's okay there's nothing to be afraid of here they hug and there's this incredible shot where we pan away from crystal's face over his shoulder and pan back and it's the stranger from the beginning. He freaks out, strangles the stranger who we know is actually Crystal. And then that's the end of Paul. And the end of Crystal. Oh, well, except after... He, oh, yeah, it's not after, the end of Paul because true. can someone There's explain what happens next? Paul hears a whimpering coming from a potted plant, and then he wipes away dirt to find somebody's face. 
unclear yeah. who. What was this moment? Does anyone know what this moment was? Found a dead body in the building's compost. Jack comes by to check in on Paul. He looks at the plant like, askance. Squat. We don't know what happened. He does like give the potted plant like a sideways eye. Like, I know you got something up I with know you. There's a body in here, apparently. It is wild that you guys registered all these details. <laughs> <laughs> I picked that one up, too, because I sort of hated it. Yeah. (laughs) I sort of hated it because it was the filmmakers being clever, and I really hated to think of them as clever. (laughs) Geniuses, yes. Clever, no. Like drooling, smushing their food against the wall, geniuses is what I want. (laughs) Because the body in the the hallway in the dirt, we've just seen that. Yeah. In 85 minutes of nonsense images, why is that the one that Jack looks at and goes like, what's up with this potted plant? It's almost a wink at the audience, like, can you believe this, folks? Exactly. I read it as like, Jack looked at the potted plant and saw nothing as if to signal to us that there was nothing to see but then why is he looking at it as if there's like all right i have an answer the the plant is in pot 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 okay drug yeah 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 yeah. all right that's another point for greg's theory on this movie put it on the board casey doesn't like being out susan sontagged no 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 Okay, so he killed someone in a car crash. He buried them in the woods. He bottled up his guilt and grief in in the jar, which is a little demon eating at his insides and driving him insane. I like this. Driving him insane. Driving him insane the way that he drives. And then he has buried the body in the woods and that lit him like wiping the dirt off you know, it wasn't in the woods, but it's like it's him sort of the mind unable to avoid the truth of the body he's buried. And he's been dulling his senses with with any and any and all drugs that he can get his hand on. I can, I'm fine with both our theories. I think, I, this, is, I think this is You've heard both arguments. Now call in to the toll-free number 1-800-SEMIOTICS-101 <laughs> and tell us which theory do you agree with? And on live national television, we will be sending one of these people home and one Ooh. of these people... We'll get a VHS copy of the jar. <laughs> in this respect, it's definitely, we put the semi in semiotics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, but Greg already has a VHS copy of the jar, so we're sending home. Are you, are you guys kicking me off the box? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week, viewers. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, did you say viewers? Viewers. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> <Lit> listeners. Paul, <laughs> oh, it's Jack. Come on, Paul! Jar ripoff report card is brought to you by Fellini's Bellinis. 
It's a steal at only eight and a half dollars. You can find them all over Roma or at our flagship cocktail store, Juliet of the Spirits. Inarguably, one of the jar's strongest attributes is its moody synth score provided by the appropriately named group Obscure Sides, who have, to date, done not a single other thing. <laughs> this makes sense because it was apparently made up of director Bruce Toscano and cinematographer Cameron McLeod, if you are to trust the scant internet information about this movie, clearly influenced by Krautrock and electronic music titans Tangerine Dream, as well as a healthy dose of the DIY attitude of John Carpenter. The film's otherworldly tone is created ad hoc by a few well-placed keystrokes. Now, the first programmable synthesizer was birthed into the world in 1957 in the form of the room-filling megacomputer, the RCA Mark II, also known as Victor. It was, of course, complex, filled with vacuum tubes, oscilloscopes, and everything else you'd find in a mid-70s radio shack. It was fed instructions with a feed of paper tape uh, similar to a player piano, and a lathe would cut a record in real time. In the mid-60s, Robert Moog would debut the obviously named Moog synthesizer, which pioneered things that I don't really understand, like envelopes, voltage-controlled oscillators, sequencers, and more. In the early 70s, they pared it down to the Mini Moog, which is still the size of about a small Buick. Well, I kid. It's just about the size of a big organ, but uh, it's still pretty fucking huge for something with Mini in the name. <laughs> While synths had been relegated mostly to experimental music before this, certain strains of exotica, modernist composers... With the Mini Moog, it started to crop up in popular music with people like Stevie Wonder, in jazz with Sun Ra, and later into the burgeoning disco and later new wave and synth pop of the 80s. The Yamaha DX7 was released in 1983 and became a pop staple, uh, with apparently many power ballads of the time utilizing the E-Piano 1 preset sound. In the 90s, the Korg M1 helped usher in the house movement, starting with Madonna's Vogue. Since, or since, their introduction in the early 70s, synthesizers have become one of, if not actually the most powerful instrument in music recording. They're more ubiquitous across nearly all genres than any other instrument, even replacing physical drums in many cases. In 2016, Fact Magazine wrote, The synthesizer is as important and as ubiquitous in modern music today as the human voice. Ooh. And that has been The Jar Ribuff Report Card. Very cool. You found it. You found it. Took me a little while. I, I almost did it on Tangerine Dream. I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to talk about Tangerine Dream because I literally have no, th no other idea. Nobody else in this movie, literally, like, there was, like, a music supervisor that had, like, three credits. Everybody else did <laughs> nothing, nothing. Nothing, This movie wow. was, like, is, like, listed on, apparently Colorado has, like, a movie shot in Colorado page. It's listed on that. Nothing else. It just, just <laughs> is, like, it's a movie. Here are the people who made it. 
I found a LinkedIn to who I think is Bruce Toscano's brother. Oh my god. <laughs> Part of me yes. wants to hit him up. I wish you had just read his LinkedIn. There was very he's like a supervisor for something. My god. It, it also it. could just be a different it might be a cousin. He lives in Littleton, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver, which I actually Okay, we all this know movie we're was shot Littleton, Littleton, Colorado. Okay, all right. Greg. Do we? <laughs> the murders, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Were there murders in Littleton, Colorado? Yeah, that was that's where um, Columbine. Oh, was it in Littleton, Colorado? Columbine. I'm pretty sure. Honestly, I thought it was in Columbine. Yeah, it's in, Ma- it's oh, in Littleton, holy shit, Colorado. Littleton, Colorado. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this movie was shot in Littleton. I'm pretty sure. Oh and my the end credits, God. one thing that I did. We read. shouldn't use the words shot in Littleton. In the same <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I was about to do that, Josh. I was about to say so many things were shot in Littleton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised that we all, because of how much universal hate is levied against this movie, and the fact that we don't all agree, especially on Mm -hmm. like movies that are not super linear, and how much we all actually genuinely like this movie in a way that I. Truly we're rebels. I'm a we're little rebels. Bit surprised we're not. We're not here to let Red Letter Media tell us what to do Never. or what to oh, believe. Fuck those, ever. fuck those guys. I'm almost disappointed how much we all loved it because I was hoping to fight. No, no, no. Not even for us to fight. It, it was. It seems so split. Like you either love it or you hate it. Like everything on this online about this movie is either people being like, "We love the experience," or like, "This is bullshit. We hate it." The real contrarian take would to feel medium about this movie. there is is the prophesized out there someone who's like yeah the jar's okay yeah that is a crazy viewpoint to have for this movie is like eh uh, it was all right yeah this movie's a lot of things it's not okay (laughs) (laughs) and i would not say i loved this but i will say that like i was definitely on its frequency and especially like yeah there were points when it started to get boring towards the middle but within a few minutes of me being like all right now we're just like we are just rewatching the same scenes over and over again then suddenly we have a vietnam flashback where there's yep. a dude just sipping champagne yeah. in the middle of the scene and i was like all right i'm uh, again interested yeah right it's like it takes one like teenage greaser to push him into the like <laughs> The I mean honestly the Joker Ace Chemical Bat kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, or like he falls from his shower into like a fucking cavern and has the like Thor scene where he sees the later Avengers movies. <laughs> whether the movie's working or not, my brain is trying to put pieces together, which yeah. means it is succeeding at some <laughs> level. And also, I'm just down with terrible ADR. Love it. I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. Either get down with the tone. You know, it's like going surfing. You just ride it out. Yeah. Or you cannot catch a wave at all. And I can understand this being an extremely frustrating experience if that's the case. But, like, y- y'all people are wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like, especially when we were in school, right? When, when, when you're in film school, I feel like so often you see someone making a project or, or you're helping someone or even you yourself are making something and you're, you're explaining away something that doesn't work as being experimental as being like, Oh, it will, it will create confusion. Oh, it will, it will do X. Right. When really it's just not working. (laughs) This movie is like the one in a million where all of those things did actually conspire together to make a cohesive thing. 
right the adr the fact that it's all like after dubbed badly adr is like yeah but he's having a mental break and it's kind of dreamy and it kind of like assists it like doesn't take away it like feels like they bullshitted their way into a good movie kind <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, there, yeah there is a fake it till you make it aspect yeah. of yeah. this movie that has somehow come to fruition they willed it into being Totally. This is yeah. a night before. This is a total night before. Yeah, they shot it all the night before, and you know what? I give them a B plus. Yeah. The the other thing is, and and this is a general critique I have of others' critiques, which is I hate it when people levy the criticism of a movie as pretentious, because what that usually just means to me is that you don't have anything meaningful to say about it most of the time. You're like, I didn't like it, and it wasn't super easy to follow and so it's pretentious it's like and i can understand this from someone who doesn't necessarily watch a lot of movies that like okay you want your shit to be super easy to follow but if you're someone who watches a shitload of movies i find it extremely refreshing when people take chances it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if oh, those yeah. things completely whiff or not or again in this case create something like weirdly melodic but the just the idea of really trying to make something interesting and different is applaudable. Yeah. Because I've watched so many fucking movies that just feel like like really bad episodes of TV and they're drab and they're dreary and they're boring. And this is both all of those things and none of those things. And that's that's crazy. And just and and to just be like they're they're just being pretentious and they're taking the easy way out. And just like, y'all never made a movie, have you? Because it's yeah. not easy to make anything, period, let alone do it all with a small crew and a small craft. An intent to like make something, yeah. And then yeah. succeed at that intellectual yeah. intent. Those also. criticisms always ring to me as you know nothing about filmmaking and you've never even tried to pick up a camera or you did and you're like, it's just too hard. I'm going to go home. It reeks similar to conspiracy theorists in my mind. Mm. People who are like, oh yeah, the entire government or whole countries are conspiring to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, have you ever tried to get 15 people to do one thing? Yeah, Really yes. difficult. <laughs> have you ever had a birthday party at one bar and try oh to get all of those people oh. to move to the next bar? It's not happening. Impossible. You lose five people every time, no matter what. (laughs) Company move, you lose five. Pretentious is one of those words that makes people feel good to say. It's a good replacement for an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. It's better than having an opinion. It's it's a great word. It's awesome. You can just say that and people go, yeah. (laughs) People have no fucking clue what it means. Who needs film criticism when you can just call everything pretentious? And right. everyone a Mary or, Sue. Or woke, don't forget. Oh. Or woke, right. Yeah. And and pretentious is just a boring way of saying highfalutin, which is a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, I never did the ripoff of Porco music. We're <laughs> changing up the format on this one. Maybe this episode is a little more, a little more surreal. Experimental. Experimental. Wow. Rip off report card. I don't know what a Moog sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right, jarheads. That's what we're called. <laughs> People who love the jar. We're called jarheads from now on. Before we put the lid back on, what from the jar could end up on the final test? The big lesson of this movie is if you're not even that attractive neighbor has a tendency to yell at himself and you and constantly waxes philosophical about maybe being possessed and having horrible visions of death, Girl, do not leave that door ajar. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought, I don't think that it, like the tagline says, does indeed blow the lid off of terror. It more puts the terror in you and <laughs> seals it up to stay with Ooh. you forever. Ooh. If this movie is a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream, I don't want to wake up. <laughs> this movie is like if you resurrected a dead Soviet expressionist filmmaker from the 1920s <laughs> by screaming every other word from the screenplays to both poltergeist and critters into like a Naugahyde couch. <laughs> just described Guy Madden. <laughs> I think so, actually. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra, and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for our bed music, and Shearer for our logo, and the entire Video Eye crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, and me, Josh Roth. Next time, Schlocktober concludes with Hollowgate. Find out what happens when a serial killer throws a Halloween party. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, the jar. <laughs> Have you had that writer's block for a while and the jar just blew the lid off of it? Oh. <laughs> My mind is a jar. Simple Equations Podcast Network.